From our studios in Colleyville, Texas, it's the TWU IAM Association Tech Ops ASAP Podcast with host Brad Bruger. Take it away, Brad. Welcome, everybody, to the TWU IAM Association Tech Ops ASAP Podcast. I'm Brad Bruger, Safety of Flight and Compliance Coordinator for the TWU International. And with me today, I have Bud Brown from the IAM and Joe Absalon from Local 591. And they are both members of the Tech Ops ASAP ERC. Thank you. Hello. Good to have you guys here. So today what we want to talk about in this particular podcast, we wanted to talk about what a frontline member may expect if they're involved in an ASAP, a MIA, a Just Policy event investigation. And that's a lot of things, but most of the time those are the same thing. We just want to make sure, since we have so many new members to this way of investigating events that we are involved in, that we lay all this out and so you know what to expect when something like this happens. So first, let's talk about the Just Policy, the MIA, and ASAP. I think most everybody knows what the Aviation Safety Action Program is. When we have events that we investigate, when somebody files an ASAP report or involved in an event, we use the MIA, Maintenance Error Assessment Aid, to do a root cause analysis to more understand why something happened instead of who to blame or gathering evidence. That is all covered under the Just Policy, which is something that we started at Legacy American in 2011. With that, most every ASAP report or ASAP event that we investigate is handled through a MIA investigation. So let's start uh, the discussion off, and I want to hand this over to Bud Brown from the IAM because a lot of the IAM members, this is going to be a new process for them, and we wanted to open this up so that we can make sure that we can get as much information about what they may expect going on into into the future. So I'll let Bud talk a little bit about who he is and what his role is, and then maybe get this discussion rolling. Hello, everybody. Bud Brown out of Charlotte. I've been on the ASAP program as far as flight safety since 2000 and on the ERC since 2009. On the Legacy US, it was handled a little differently. We only had compliance when it was a FAA VSD or inquiry wanting an answer from the company. And compliance would go out and find their own answers. On the ASAP part of it, what my membership needs to know is What's the difference now with uh, EMEA and compliance coming to talk to them? I think initially, from my understanding of how it worked with the IAM, is when somebody may file an ASAP report, then QA would investigate the aircraft and not really the individual or what happened in the situation. And the difference now is, under the JCBA and the Just Policy and our agreement with the company, going forward, any ASAP report that involves a maintenance error violation. And even if there's not an ASAP report, we now start a MIA investigation. And that looks a whole lot different than what maybe your members are are used to. So what that looks like now is a compliance specialist from the compliance team that has, they're separate from production. They will come in and they will do a root cause investigation that has nothing to do with looking for any kind of evidence on an employee or any kind of anything like that. It's about how did the system contribute to this? And it looks at all of the contributing factors. If everybody remembers human factors trainings and the dirty dozen, 
The me investigation is really aligned around those 12 topics to see what contributed to the error or violation. This is a non-punitive investigation. Any interview that we have in that, nothing from that interview can be used outside of that process against any employee at American Airlines. It's, it's going to look a whole lot different. And what we are really interested in is having people come in and tell us what actually happened. And we need the details that maybe we weren't willing to talk about before when we were in some kind of an investigation where it was a disciplinary investigation. It's kind of a different look and we want people to see it differently and participate in it differently than maybe we have in the past. Is there anything you want to add to that, Joe? I think you've covered it all, Brad. But I know you have a couple more questions with regards to our new TWU members and the IM people that are new to this. Yeah, the uh, next question would be, if they request a written statement, is that required? Written statements are not required and are something in 2011 that we got rid of. In this investigation process, we saw little value in a written statement. We saw little value in locking an employee into a statement where what we want them to do now is if they remember something tomorrow, we want them to get back with us and say, hey, I I remembered something else or I forgot to tell you something. And when people are locked into a written statement, they kind of feel like if I write this down and I sign my name to it, I can't deviate from that or I'm going to be accused of lying or changing my story to try to stay out of trouble. And so the written statement is not a part of the MIA process. And when we have a maintenance error violation, it's important to know that the requirement is that we do the MIA. And so written statements from local management are not something that should happen. And local management or frontline members can go to section 11.05 in the GPM and it lays it out pretty clearly how it should work. There's a manager's checklist in there that the manager is supposed to print out which gives them step-by-step instructions on on how it's supposed to work. And there's a big note in there that says no written statements are collected. So I, I filed an ASAP and I'm in the room with uh, Brad and a compliance specialist and he's asking me a bunch of questions. Should I just keep the answer short and sweet? Because I don't want anything to come back on me later. No, we, we want the answers to be as best as they can be from the event. So sometimes it's more detailed than uh, others, but being honest and being uh, unafraid of retribution for, for that is why we have this program. So Brad, I think I kind of missed some stuff. If you want to fill in the holes, that'd be great. Well, I think really that Joe covered most of it, but let's understand that So this is different than we're used to. Usually when a shop steward goes in with an employee to an investigation that they could lead in discipline, we have a whole different view of what that should look like. This investigation is non-disciplinary. This investigation is made to understand all of the contributors that happened that led to the event. So the more detail we give in the investigation, the better opportunity the compliance group, the ASAP Event Review Committee, have to go put in place solid corrective actions to actually fix stuff that we've seen for years. And we just haven't had the information. So we encourage people when they put an ASAP report in to give us all of the information they can think of. And it's the same in a a MIA interview or when you are with a compliance person or Bud or Joe or whoever that person is that's with you in the interview. 
We want the details around how stuff normally happens, how stuff happened today differently, and the details are important. And you just have to keep in mind that the details that you talk about in the me investigation or the ASAP investigation stay in that room with those people and can't be used outside of the room against you. So that's why, and we put those walls up to hopefully encourage people to talk about this a little more and get better detail. So Brad, a question we get asked, I am and TW, is do I need a shop steward when they ask for a MIA? The answer to that is it's up to the member who they want with them, but we would encourage them to use one of the seven ASAP ERC members from the association. So if you're on the IAM side, the flight safety committee for the IAM, most all of those people are trained and familiar with this process and can be there. On the TW side, we have a pretty good network of our shop stewards across the system that the four of us rely on to also have knowledge around that. So there's a a lot of different things you can do, but we would encourage you to have somebody, a local shop steward or an ERC member, one of us, or somebody that has some experience around this because it is a different type of interview than if there was an Article 32 investigation going on. So we would highly encourage you to first reach out to your ASAP ERC member, which for the IAM is Bud Brown, John Hall, and Mitch Worthington. And for the TW, that's Brad Ruger, Joe Absalon, Harry Charolumbus, and Doug Housley. Okay, Brad, so let's, uh, let's go with the last one. How will I know when the investigation is complete? The way you should know and the way that we have tried to handle this is that somebody's going to get back to you, whether we make a change or we find out that, hey, everything was just fine. So somebody should reach out and talk to you and explain to you that hey, we investigated this. This is where we ended up. This is what we're going to try to go do. This is what we need you to do, if anything. And that's the way that you're going to know when it's complete is when somebody reaches back out to you and says, hey, this is what we learned. This is what I need to go over with you. This is kind of a new process for the IAM side. And what you'll see is that the more people file ASAP reports, the more me investigations we do, the more awareness all of the frontline technicians and stores clerks and inspectors, everybody that's involved in tech ops will understand and, and get the feedback from the ERC and the compliance group. And that's the really the, the quickest way you're going to know that the investigation is completed is just by the people that are investigating reaching out and telling you how we, where we ended up at. What if my ASAP is proactive? Do they still do a meal on something like that? Yes, sometimes. And let's just talk, let's talk about an example. You put a ASAP in because a work card has a wrong part called out or a wrong effectivity, or you find an error in a work card and you say, hey, I want to put a RPTC in. And engineering gets it and says, hey, you're right. We may not do an, an investigation over that. It may just be the compliance group seeing the report, reading it, or the ASAP group seeing it or reading it and then contacting and said, hey, we put the change in, that was a great change, thanks for the information. But there are times when we see proactive reports where somebody says, hey, I think I see something that's a problem, and we go investigate that. And we do an actual me investigation on it. And that would be the same feedback to the frontline person to say, we got your report, 
we went and we found these issues. We contacted Boeing or Airbus and we got this resolved. Thanks for the report and it's closed out and here's where the corrective action is. You know, it's a GPM change, let's say. And we would send them the red line. We would probably send the red line language and say, hey, here's the change that we've we've submitted because of your report. Is that good? Are you are you satisfied with that? And that's a way that we would maybe have a proactive report that we'd go do a me on. Now, there may not be any kind of a formal interview with that person, or we may just rely on what me, you, or Joe learned from them when we talked to them and then told the engineer or the ERC or the compliance investigator. Then at the end of it, turn back and say, yeah, we did a MIA. You're right. Thanks for the report. This is the fix. Okay, Brad, are there any other ways that a tech ops employee can be involved in EMEA besides an ASAP? Absolutely. The company has the ability, just like you do, to voluntarily disclose information through, you know, the, the frontline employee has the option to disclose information through ASAP. And that also goes to the FAA, not your name or that, anything like that, but you have that ability. Well, the company also has the same ability and it's called a voluntary disclosure. And if they, let's just use an example, let's say they fly an airplane for five flights and it had a wrong part on it and they flew five legs in violation of a CFR, then the company has the right to voluntarily disclose that to the FAA. And that happens quite a bit. We'll have overflies on work cards and things like that. Every now and then, that may involve an MCT or a stores person or a mechanic or an inspector or a crew chief. It can involve a lot of different people in that event. And so if they disclose that, they may start a me investigation on that. And you may not even realize what happened. Let's say a stores clerk shipped a hazmat part and doesn't know about it for three weeks that something wasn't exactly right with the paperwork. The company discloses that. We do a MIA. Two or three weeks down the road, we may go tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, we're doing a me investigation. We think you're involved and do you remember this airplane do you remember this part whatever and then at the same time the association rep is going to offer that person hey we think you should probably file an asap on this so a voluntary disclosure by the company can initiate a me investigation that could go ask somebody to participate and an asap let's say that there was an event that happened where there was five people kind of involved in what happened and only one guy filed an asap report well in that investigation, we would probably reach out to the other four and offer them the opportunity to file a report. But we'd also involve them in the me investigation, whether they reported or not. We'd probably want to sit down and talk to them about that. And then all of this still falls under the same same rules that we talked about so far. That it all stays in the room. It's confidential. It's not top secret. There's so a Brad, difference. I would like to also add, like uh, we did on the previous podcast, be aware that once you're made aware, while it's not 24 hours, you can't wait three weeks to file the ASAP either. So keep that in mind when... Uh, we ask you if you want to file a report. Right. And the last point I want to make, let me explain that because I just said it's confidential, not top secret. The difference in that is it's confidential and we're never going to go out and share your name with anybody. But we also want to take all the information we can to go fix things and then, and then share it with everybody out in the system so that they can see the stuff that we learned and that we changed or that we fixed or that we've improved based on the reports and the investigation we have. So that kind of stuff is not the corrective actions and the details around maybe something that happened and how we can fix it aren't kept secret. But we're never going to go out and say, Hey, it was Joe that filed the report or Bud was involved in this event. That's not what, that's the confidential part. 
Right. And so we also know that if it's in a small area, that there's just people that know that that event happened and they also know that uh, who was involved. We've, we've also found out just by being there by pure luck that the guys are already talking about it. Sometimes they're reported themselves. So uh, bear that in mind. We, we will not divulge anybody. So any, anybody that knows about it, it's not from us. So no matter what I say in that interview or what I've done, it all stays in that room. Well, like I prefaced earlier, if you tell us that you have a dead body in your trunk, we're probably going to call the cops on you. But as far as our work environment, if it's not criminal, then what you say in the room stays in the room. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for giving us a little bit of time and listening to this. Hopefully this was some helpful information for you to understand more of how the ASAP, the MIA, the Just Policy, all those processes kind of work together and hopefully arm you with a little bit of knowledge to understand what could be coming your way if you're involved in one of these events. Going forward... We are going to try to make this a regular podcast where we dive into some specific topics and just kind of make this a a routine so that we can get more information out to the frontline employee. Uh, So I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into the podcast, and I'd like to thank Joe Absalon and Bud Brown for joining me here. And I'd also like to let everybody know that if you have questions or comments about the podcast or maybe a topic that you want to have covered, you can reach out to us at techopsasap at gmail.com and submit any questions or feedback that you might have at that email. Again, it's techopsasap at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. To submit questions or comments, email techopsasap at gmail.com. That's T-E-C-H-O-P-S-A-S-A-P at gmail.com. The Tech Ops ASAP podcast is produced by Tommy Engel. 